What's your favorite scary movie? Is it this one? Could be. We're doing the 1996 Wes Craven classic, Scream. Come on, Bob. What the hell are you wearing? Looking like Big Bird side bitch. Welcome, everybody, to the Flick Magnet Podcast, or as I usually say, Flick Magnet, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay. I'm Bob. How's it going, Bob? It's going pretty good, man. Bit of it's spooky season. Definitely. It's the Halloween season. It's my, this is my favorite time of year. Oh, for sure. Hands down, bar none. I love Christmas, love Thanksgiving, but I am a Halloween guy. I love this shit. I love Halloween. It's and my I'm favorite a, holiday. I'm excited about this movie. And we are doing 1996 Wes Craven Scream, written by Kevin Williamson. You, you know, I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. So weird. You know, the creator of Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're doing. Um, do you have any uh, nostalgia for this movie? I didn't see this movie until like 2003. I saw this when it came out in theaters multiple times. Well, it came out at 96. Yeah. I was at that time I was working at Easy Video. I was 8. I was not. Yeah. We were not going to watch a rated R movie no. in my, at least in my freaking prude ass household. Yeah. No, nope. I I saw this in theaters with my friends, coworkers multiple times. I liked it back then. Stay tuned for what I thought of it this time around. And with that said, here's the trailer. Hello. Hello. Who is this? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Like scary movies. What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Hey, this me. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. You get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. He didn't make the rules. The police are always off track, but they watch Palm Night and save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. 
Yeah. That is 1996 Scream. Ah! Directed by Wes Craven, the master of disaster. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, he's great. Writing credits. Got his, got his start in pornography. Nice. Yeah, he was, uh, uh, he was very poor and w- desperately wanted to get into the business, and that's what happened. For, before killing people off, he was getting people off? Fuck, Bob. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Writing credits, Kevin Williamson. The cast, Drew Barrymore, Roger Jackson, David Booth, Neve, Nev Campbell, Skeet Ulrich. Skeet, Skeet. Courtney Cox, no. Rose McGowan, David Arquette, Matthew Liver, Jamie Kennedy. There's a who's who of people from the 90s in this here. This is the 90s all-star team. <laughs> oh, man. Good shit, dude. Good shit. So, want to talk about beer before we get into this movie? Beer? I like beer. Is the malted liquor what gets you drunk or quicker? What comes in bottles or in cans? Beer. Can't get enough of it. Beer. How we really love it. Beer. Makes me think I'm a man. Beer. I could kiss and hug it, beer. but I'd rather chug it. Beer. Got my belly out to here. I could not refuse it. I could really use a beer. Beer, 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 beer. Mo, give me a beer. All righty then, Mo, get me one. So for our drinking pleasure today from Kane Brewing, Beer Hall. It's a German-style Marzan lager, 6%, keeping with the Oktoberfest theme of the month. Nice. And if you want something else, I bought Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale. Ooh. That is uh, very good. Refreshing. Clean. Oh, it's a it's a good one. It's, it's not bitter. It's, like it's not citrus. $15 four-pack. Hey, what are you going to do? That's man? what they cost now. Did you see um, Icarus? They're putting the roof on today. Ooh. Steel frame. It's a concrete building with steel frames. Nice. Very fucking cool, man. That means if there was ever a fire, that building's going to last. They're building it like it's being built in Italy. Well, that's what that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Well, I think he's master trained somewhere overseas. Ooh, nice. So, do you want to get into this movie? Let's get into this movie. Alright, so Scream starts off with Casey Becker, played by Drew Barrymore, answering her landline as she tells the guy he's got the wrong number and she hangs up on him. The phone rings again, rings again, and it's the same dude he says that he must have dialed the wrong number again by accident. Casey says, it happens, no problem. She hangs up again. Uh, the persistent creep calls back again and this time wants to talk to her. Casey says that they got 900 numbers for that. It hangs up on him again. We cut to a shot outside facing the house as we see a tree swing swaying in the night. Somebody's been sitting on that swing, Bob. Yeah, it's creepy. Back inside, Casey puts on some Jiffy Pop on the the stove. I like Jiffy Pop. Let's talk about Jiffy Pop for a second and how hard it is to not burn it. Yeah, you have to sit there and, and really like move it back and forth very fast. If you ever wanted to tell a girl what it feels like for a guy to, to jerk off, go make some Jiffy Pop. <laughs> That's very true. Because you got to back and forth, back and forth for, for like, what, 10 minutes? At least. Keep going, keep going, keep going. I'm almost there. Pop, 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 pop. Oh! oh Butter I, all over the popcorn. Oh, I burnt that shit. <laughs> Uh, she lights up the gas burner. The phone rings again, and the guy asks her what her name is. 
He says, you tell me your name and I'll tell you mine. She says no and goes over to shake the Jiffy Pop. The guy asks, what's that noise? And she tells him that she's making popcorn. The guy on the phone says that he only eats popcorn at the movies. She tells him that she's, she's getting ready to watch a video. The guy perks up and asks her what she's going to watch. She says, ah, just some scary movie. The title of the movie that it almost was. Yes, that they used for a spoof movie yeah. later on. He asks her what her favorite scary movie is, and she says, mm, Halloween, as she pulls out a butcher knife from the block. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask that walks around, stalks babysitters. He tells her to guess his favorite, and she says, Nightmare on Elm Street. He says, yeah, he liked that one. It was scary. Drew says, well, the first one was, but the rest sucked. I love how Wes Craven is taking a shot at himself. He's taking a shot at himself, because he did uh, Wes Craven's uh, New Nightmare. And I, did he do any of the other ones? I don't think so. I don't think so. But he definitely did that one. Yes, he did Wes Craven. Because it's called Wes, Wes Craven's, Craven's New, New Nightmare. Nightmare. What do you think of that one? It wasn't that bad. I liked it. I think the concept was cool. Where they're all playing themselves in yeah. real life. And they've willed Freddy into existence. He becomes basically. real, man. Yeah, basically, yeah, they've willed him into existence by by. That is fucking cool. It's a great concept. And Dream Warriors wasn't that bad either. I don't care what people say. I like Dream it. Warriors. Is that's the best one? Really? Because it gets. Oh wait, what's is it? The Dream Master? No, it's Dream Warriors. It's Dream Warriors. Is that, is that three? I think so. That's the one. Yeah, I think With so. Dawkins does the the soundtrack. Yeah, that is one of the best ones. Dude. Yeah, people shit on that movie, and I don't know why. Well, they shouldn't, because that movie's fucking awesome. So it starts to get a little flirty, where as the guy asks her if she has a boyfriend. Casey says that she doesn't, as she walks up to the TV that has the classic blue screen showing, Bob. You know, th- when you have your VCR on? Yes. Yeah. People- I still have that screen, because I watch VCR tapes all the time. People don't know what that is anymore. I know. Crazy. The guy says that she never gave him her name. His name. Her name. Casey asks him, why do you want to know my name? Anita Moorhead? <laughs> yeah. To which the guy says, because I want to know who I'm looking at. Uh, what? Casey gets spooked and is like, what did you just say? I want to know who I'm talking to. That's not what you said, says Casey. What do you think I said? Casey turns on the patio lights and looks outside and then locks the door. She says that she has to go and hangs up while the guy is saying, Don't you hang up on me! Casey walks back to the kitchen after telling the guy to call someone else, and the phone rings one last time. Casey answers by saying, Listen, asshole! No, you listen, you little bitch! You hang up me again, I'll gut you like a fish, understand? <laughs> yeah. Is this some kind of joke? He says, more of a game, really. Can you handle that? Blondie? She freaks out. Of course she's freaking out. She's panicked. She starts running around making sure everything's locked. She says that she's going to call the cops, but the guy says that they'd never make it in time. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Casey asks him what he wants. He says, what would terrify me if that happened in real life? He says, to see what your insides look like. Then the doorbell rings and Casey asks, who's there? She gets no response, but the phone rings again, and he tells her that you should never ask who's there in a horror movie. Casey says that her boyfriend will be here soon, and he'll be pissed when he finds out. Ghostface says, I thought you didn't have a boyfriend. Casey says that she does, 
She does have a boyfriend. She lied. He's big and he plays football and he'll kick the shit out of you. Yeah, that's the old the old trope. He's a big football player. Right. Yeah. Ghostface says his name wouldn't happen to be Steve, would it? She's like, how do you know his name? He tells her to turn on the patio lights again. And when she does, we see Steve duct taped to a chair, pretty badly beaten up. Now we get to the game. He tells her if she gets it right, the question right, Steve lives. He's even nice enough to give her a warm-up question. He says, name the killer in Halloween. Come on, it's your favorite scary movie. She takes a minute but says the correct answer, Michael. Michael Myers. He then asks her the next question. Who's the killer in Friday the 13th? Ooh, trick question. She immediately says, Jason, Jason, Jason. I'm sorry. That's the wrong answer. She argues that she's seen that movie 20 goddamn times. He says, well, then you should have known that Jason's mother, Mrs. Voorhees, was the killer in the original. Jason doesn't show up until the sequel. He says, lucky for you, there's a bonus round. But poor Steve, I'm afraid he's out. We then hear what sounds like someone getting gutted. Which is pretty much what happens. what happens. And when Casey turns the lights back on, we see Steve's insides on the outside. It's a nice effect. Just everything just hanging all out. Yeah, it was cool. Now this scene here, uh, Wes Craven said they had to dial it back because when the MPAA saw it, they were going to give him an X rating. Such prudes. Because of that scene. So what you saw was dialed back. It was more. I would like to see that. Yeah, it looks It looks like someone had a bad, uh, what was it, a cheesesteak and just let tomato sauce over it. Yeah. Final question. Are you ready? What door am I at? <laughs> then a chair comes crashing through the back door as Casey runs to the kitchen and grabs a Michael Myers-sized knife as the house starts to fill with fill up with smoke as the Jiffy Pop is burning. Yeah. Well. Always does. Always does if you're not paying attention to it. Yeah. Casey goes out back and tries to hide as we see a car not too far off in the distance approaching the driveway. Casey and Ghostface come face-to-face at a window as Ghostface grabs her, but Casey hits him in the face with the phone that she's still holding. The landline. The cordless. That's a big-ass cordless phone, too. Yeah. It's 96. Casey runs past Steve's mess and around the side of the house as she pauses and has what looks like a moment of hope as she sees her parents pulling up to the house. But then Ghostface jumps out, tackles her, Casey gets up, starts running towards her parents, but Ghostface catches up with her, stabs her in the chest. Oh, yeah. She falls to the ground on her back as Ghostface straddles her as he starts choking her with both hands. Casey kicks him in the nards and briefly gets away as she attempts to call out to her parents, but has no voice. The Ghostface got nards. Yeah. Ghostface got nards, man. Kick him in the nards. Probably from all the choking and the stabbing. She falls to the front porch as Casey pulls off the mask and has a confused look on her face like she knows the killer. She definitely knows who it is. Yeah. Then Ghostface plunges the knife into Casey again. Her parents are inside now and the place is trashed and filled with smoke. This is a parent's worst nightmare, Bob. Oh, yeah. Place is trashed. There's smoke. Your, the, ki- your kid's not there. The Jiffy Pop is literally on fire. Not the Jiffy Pop! I was looking forward to that. I like Jiffy Pop. 
it's the best. It's so good. It just requires so much work. And I know we're making fun of it burning, but I kind of liked it a little burnt. I like popcorn when it's brown, but once it gets to black, it's no good. See, I don't mind that. I know someone, not just you, I know someone if the popcorn is burnt, they eat it. I just can't. Not like completely burned, but if it's like, we'll call it a little overdone. I like that. Yeah, like pretzel brown. Yes. That's fine. So they call out for their daughter, but you know they get no answer. Her dad tells the mom to call the police, and when she picks up the phone, she can hear Casey being brutalized as she is still holding on to that fucking phone. You imagine that, dude. Here, just put yourself in that mom's shoes for a second. Yes. That's a, that's a, uh, it's a nightmare. I can't even begin. So then we see her being dragged across the yard, covered in blood. Right before the call ended, you hear Ghostface say, Hey! And he hangs up. <laughs> I, I never knew that until I watched it with subtitles on. I had no idea Ghostface saw her with the phone on. Yeah. I, hey! Yeah, that, what was, are you doing? that was awesome. Hey! So Dad tells Mom to get in the car and drive down to the Mackenzie's, just like Lori told Tommy and Lindsay to do in Halloween. In Halloween. Nice reference. Yeah. Mom goes out front and starts screaming as we zoom in on Casey hanging from the tree with her guts hanging out. Yes, another scene and just gut you like a fish. That's a nice, uh, it's a nice open to a movie. And it's a, and for a time, a very shocking opening because Drew Barrymore was on all the posters. She was supposed to be uh, Sid's role. Yes, but she's. It was her decision to to switch it. She's like, no, like I should, I should die. And it was a it and was shock everybody. And it was it was a great shock for the time. And period. it did it did it shocked everybody. Yeah, who was going to guess that Drew Barrymore, who was coming was a, to the height of her power, she's an A lister at this time. Yeah, she you know from now until what the mid two thousands two thousand seven, yeah. this was her big time in movies, and you killed her. You killed her within the first fifteen minutes of the movie, and it's <clears throat> it was it was a great shock. Did you just look back thinking the screen poster was there again? Yeah. Because it used to be. It used to be there. Yeah, that's funny. You move shit around on me, and I'm like, what the fuck? It's, it's been a year, but whatever. Yeah, well, I, I don't normally <laughs> turn around and look away from the mic, you know? No, you don't. It's fair. I mean, I mean, you, we never even referenced the O.J. Simpson flag we have behind you. <laughs> the juice is loose. Yeah. And it used to be over there. It, it did. <laughs> now we have uh, Johnny Cash giving us the finger. All right, so now we're introduced to uh, one of our main characters, Sidney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell. As she's in her room on her computer at night when she hears something come from her opened window. She looks out and it's her boyfriend, Billy Loomis, Skeet Ulrich. Sneaking through the window like Nightmare on Elm Street. Like uh, Joey on Dawson's Creek, written by Kevin Williams. They really like to sneak through the window. Yeah. Except it's not Johnny Depp this stuff. That's right. They, he does do that in Nightmare on Elm Street. And, and gives her a fright. Yeah. Sid lets out a little scream as she says that her dad's here and he'd kill him if he found him in here. The dad opens the door, but it gets blocked by the open closet door, so it only opens partially. That's a cool uh, aspect of her room. Yes. Which they built for it to do that, because that's not a thing. No, it's not a thing. No. And it's and it's nice shout out now. Yeah. Because they're pointing it out now. That's one of my favorite it's things about, about movies is how they set up Little things. The good movies do. That come back. I like that. The good movies do. I like that detail. Yeah. Her dad tells her that he's going to bed and he won't he won't be back until Sunday. He's going on a business trip. She says good night and closes the door. 
Then Billy pops up from behind the bed and says that he was watching The Exorcist on TV today, and it uh, kind of reminded him of their relationship. You know, it was edited for TV, so all the good stuff was cut out. He says that they started out hot and heavy on their way to a nice NC-17 rating. And lately, they're kind of just edited for television. So Sid's like, what, you thought you'd come up here and we'd get some raw footage? Billy says that he'd never think of breaking her panty rule. He, but he was hoping for maybe a little on top of the clothes stuff. <laughs> can, can I just rub on you? Can I rub my cock on you for a while? Yeah, can we just dry hump for a little bit? Just until it starts to burn. Or, you know, I'll sit here in my underwear and you just rub it through the underwear. God damn it. She agrees and they start making out, but Billy can't resist. I mean, she's hot. Yes, she is. She's hot now. And yeah, and tries to get his hands in the cookie jar. Sid stops and he goes to leave out the window. She stops him and asks if he if he'd be okay with a PG thirteen reading. He's like, "What's that?" And she flashes him. Boobies. She shows him her. Yeah. He calls her a tease and heads out. Uh, cut to the next day at uh, Woodsboro High School, where Sid is there, and the place is littered with cops and reporters, including a cameo by Linda Blair. Yeah, she's the Auburn Heron one that says, we need, we have the right to know. Yeah, she, that too, but she's also there, she gets a couple. She's in the background the first time. Yes. And then she says what you said later on, yeah. Her friend Tatum walks up to Sid and tells her that Casey and Steve were murdered last night. Rose McGowan. Splatter movie style. Sid says that Casey sits next to her in English class. Not anymore, not she doesn't. <laughs> not anymore, that's a great line right there. The writing in this movie is... Very clever. It's very good. Uh, Tatum says that they're interviewing the students and that this is the worst case since uh, she stops herself and says, it's bad. Yeah, it's not good there. Cut to Sid staring at Casey's empty seat in English class as she gets called down to the principal's office to get interviewed. This is where we get introduced to the Fonz. Because I'm the Fonz. Henry Winkler, <laughs> covered the, bees. The, yeah, is he going to jump the shark in this one, too? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. So he's the school's principal. So the sheriff and his deputy are there as Sid comes in and says hi to the sheriff and says hi to, to Dewey. Dewey says, it's Deputy Deputy Riley today, Sid. I love how in the, the scary movie, they made Dewey an absolute Oh, my God. They moron. made him a... He's on the highest tier of mentally ill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Take my strong... And the other guy. Take my strong hand. Yeah. That was the second I, one. I love, I love this scene in Scary Movie. It's when um, Sid goes to Tatum's for the sleepover and Ghostface calls. And in this movie, he comes out with a gun. In Scary Movie, he comes out with a vacuum cleaner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know why he had the vacuum cleaner. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, so the Fonz puts his hands on Sid's face and says that they're gonna keep this short. As the sheriff stares side-eyed at the principal, yes, yeah, so she's hmm? slowly caressing her face. It's okay, Sidney. This will be over quickly. I promise. Just close your eyes and think of uh, rainbows and unicorns. Cut to the courtyard, and we have our whole main cast hanging out at the fountain. Stu says that they asked him if he liked to hunt. Tatum says that they didn't ask her if she liked to hunt. 
Randy says that's because their bodies were gutted. And Stu chimes in with, that's because no way a girl could could have killed them. Not necessarily wrong there. Tatum says that the killer could easily be a woman. Sharon Stone, basic instinct. That was an ice pick. Not exactly the same. Stu says, yeah, Casey and Steve were completely hollowed out. And it takes a man to do something like that. Sid asks, how you gut someone? Stu says that you take a knife and you cut them from groin to sternum. We find out that Stu used used to date Casey for like two seconds, he says. Now the group starts to kind of jokingly give their alibis to each other. Tatum says that Stu was with her last night. Stu says, yeah, it was. <laughs> Getting sex. Oh, that long. Randy says that he was at the video store working. Tatum says, I thought they fired your sorry ass. They did. Twice. Stu- Obviously... It's not this economy. They really needed some help back then. Anyway, Stu says that he didn't kill anybody. But he says that nobody said you did, bro. Randy then mocks Stu and says, besides, it takes a man to do something like that. Tell me something. Did you really put her liver in the mailbox? Because I heard they found her liver in the mailbox next to her spleen and her pancreas. The girls get grossed out as Stu says, you better live her alone. Live her alone! Oh, Jesus Christ, Shaggy, that's terrible. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's awful. I love it. Uh, Randy was doing um, Woody Allen, by the way. That was his impersonation. They should have talked more about being a pervert. Hey, is she underage? Because I'd like to marry her. Yeah, can we adopt this? Is she my cousin? Can we adopt this small Asian girl to be my stepdaughter, and then I can divorce you and marry her later? If there's anybody that listens to this show that likes Woody Allen, why? His movies are good. He's a piece of shit. He sucks, dude. But anyway. Now Sid is at her house and she's making plans to stay the night at Tatum's. Why would you stay at Tatum's when you live there? At that beautiful fucking place. Come on. Dude, that view. It's like looking over Napa Valley. Maybe because there's a killer on the loose and you live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. So you want to, you know, be safe. Power numbers, nah, my man. I was just speaking in jest. Sid says that with all the reporters and police, it's like deja vu all over again. Tatum says not to worry, and she'll pick her up at seven. Sydney's mom was murdered. Yes. That's what they're referencing, but not saying. They're not saying it. She was. One th- year ago. Soon. Soon. In a couple of. This movie takes place over, what, three, four days? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, we talked about the house. Uh, so Sid walks past the closet, but stops because she hears a creak in the floor. Hmm. But shrugs it off. Hmm. She goes over to the couch and looks at some pictures of her mom, and then lays down on the couch to take a nap. It's now 7.15, and she gets woken up as the phone rings. It's Tatum, and Sid tells her it's past 7 Bitch, where are you? Seriously, we're, you're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be going to your house. <clears throat> Tatum tells her, don't worry. Uh, Casey and Steve didn't bite it until way after 10. Well, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's nice. Tatum tells Sid that she's going to swing by the video store. She's thinking Tom Cruise. All the right moves. You know, if you pause it just right, you can see his penis. We wanna, we're going to see some cock. Cock gobblers. Cock gobblers. Sid's like, Whatever. Cock gobblers. <laughs> Every time it kills me. Cock gobblers. Cock gobblers. Go back and watch Office Space, our last episode. It's a lot of fun. 
Just hurry, and she hangs up. The phone rings again, and this time it's a man on the phone. At first, she thinks it's Randy playing a joke. The voice asks her if she likes scary movies. She says that, you know I don't watch that shit. Why not? Too scared? No, it's just, what's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act, who's always running up the stairs instead of out the front door. It's insulting. Well, she's right. He asks her if she's alone in the house. She says that, that's so unoriginal. I'm so disappointed in you, Randy. Well, maybe that's because I'm not Randy. He says that he's on the front porch. She then calls his bluff and opens the front door and asks if he can see her. He says, yeah, I can see you. So she puts her finger up her nose and says, what am I doing? What am I doing now? Yeah, if you can see me, bitch, tell me? me, tell me. What am I doing? Uh, she tells him to tell Tatum to hurry up. Bye now. Ghostface says, if you hang up, you'll die just like your mother. Do you want to die, Sydney? Your mother sure didn't. Fuck you, you cretin. She goes inside and shuts the door and puts the chain on. When from out of the closet, Ghostface emerges and goes at Sid trying to get all stabby stabby. Oh, yeah. But Sid gets away, tries the front door. But it's fucking lap. <laughs> but then the chain is on, so she goes up the stairs and into her room. Everything she just said before. It's fucking awesome. Ghostface busts through, busts through, but the closet door blocks the door from the opening. Here's your throwback. Yeah. She then calls 911 from her PC. I didn't know you could do that back then. I'm sure there was some way you could. if you, Because, if, no, if there's a landline hooked up to your computer with dial-up, I bet you there's a way to do it. I'm pretty sure. And when she does this, Ghostface goes away. And then Billy climbs through her window again. She tells him that the killer is in the house. And then Billy drops his cellular phone. And Sid's like, oh, hell no. Because this is 1996. Yeah. Not many people had a cellular phone. Yes. I was working at Easy Video when this movie came out. And one of the things we did was sell cell phones. Oh, like, and it was a big to do. You had to you had to fill out this contract, get pre-approved, and oh, was, you're selling a contracted phone, not like yeah. a, not like nowadays where I give them fifty bucks and they give me a burner and some no, minutes. No, you had to be approved. It took time. It was like you know me going to buy a piece of equipment. Yeah, I mean, I think even now they still do a credit check on some companies before yeah. you sign a contract. Oh, definitely did a credit check, and only the managers got to do it. I was being taught how to do it. Because you got you got a percentage of it. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. Now it's so not a big deal. No. So so now he, he drops the phone and she runs down the stairs, opens the door and startles Dewey, who is holding up the ghost, fast, ghost face mask as they take Billy away for questioning. As they're pulling away, Gail Weathers, Courtney Cox. I love you. You love me. You're so hot on I that show. I want to screw you on a cot. What? Even now. Oh, it's you know where she looks really trashy, sexy? In uh, Cougars. Yes. Oh. And Courtney Cox was at the height of her fame right now. Friends yeah. was going on. Yes. You know, this was a big deal for her. Yep. Just like with Leprechaun and uh, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston. That was before Friends, though, right? That was right around the time. Right around the time. When was Leprechaun? I think it was like 90. It was around 96, 94. Let me pull up. Yeah. So she pulls up with her cameraman to try to get some footage, but it's too late. 
Leprechaun was... Oh, I, I didn't write that down. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, it's about that time. She tries to get some info from Tatum, but Tatum basically tells her to fuck right off. Gail then turns to her camera guy, Kenny, and says, Look, Kenny, I know you're about 50 pounds overweight. <laughs> but I, when I say hurry, please interpret that as, Move your fat tub of lord ass now! Damn, what a bitch. Oh, yeah. Back at the police station, Dewey's trying to find Sid's dad, but isn't having any luck. Yeah, they don't know where he's at. Billy's giving Sid a death stare from the sheriff's office. Then Sheriff asks Billy what he what he what, what he's doing with a cellular phone. Billy says that everyone has one, Sheriff. Sheriff asks him if he drove past Casey Becker's house the other night. He says no, that he didn't kill anybody. Sheriff says that they have to hold him until they get those phone records. Dewey goes up to the sheriff and hands him a father death costume and says that they sell this costume at every five and dime in the state. Five and dimes. There is a saying. There is a saying. We still have one. We go to Ben Franklin down on the island. That's a five and dime. Nice, man. As the sheriff asked him to find out what he could about the mask, Tatum is there with Sid, and she wants to get going and is getting impatient with her brother. Yeah, and she's mocking him in front of all oh, the yeah. cops. She's like, can we go now? Hold on a second. God damn it, Dewey! What did Mom tell you? When I wear this badge, you treat me like a man of the law. Tatum's like, we're going now, Deputy Dewey boy. Sheriff says to take him out the back to avoid that circus out front. Who names her kid Dewey? It's shirt for Dwight. I know it's shirt for Dwight, but you're calling him Dewey. What are you guys, assholes? Yeah. This kid, this guy, of course he's a cop. He probably got picked on the whole time he was in school. He 100% got picked on. So he became a cop so he could carry guns, so and now he can bully people. This is how we get police brutality. But he's not a bully. He's the sweetest person. He is very sweet, but still, he was picked on. Now he carries a gun and a nightstick. And they're probably mocking him down at the old country bar. He whips that thing out. Oh, you want to mock? That's why we have police brutality in this country. We pick on people, then they become cops. That's true. So if you're just nice to people, we won't have a bunch of dick cops out there everywhere. It's not hard to be a nice person. Yes. It's not. It's very easy. Look, if you don't like someone, talk about them behind their back. Yes. Be like women this way. Obviously. Jesus. That's a PSA from... uh, (laughs) The wrestling podcast, not the wrestling podcast. Hey. We used to do it on the wrestling we used podcast. To. On Flick Magnet, the podcast. <laughs> I like uh, the Dewey's like, that's my superior. And Tim's like, the fucking janitor is your superior. Yeah, this is such a, <laughs> what a bitch. Oh my you god. Bitch. You bitch. Oh yeah, the bitch. All right, where were we? So out the back they go, but Gail Weathers is too smart for that and confronts Sid in the alley. Tatum tells her to back off. And Sid's like, it's okay. It's okay. She's just doing her job, right? So how's the book? It'll be out later this year. Oh, I'll look for it, says Sid. Sid then goes to leave, but Gail says that she'll send her a copy. Then Sid turns around and punches Gail right in the fucking face. <laughs> Boom. You right got the knocked the fuck out. You got knocked the fuck out. Cut to Tatum and Sid at Tatum's in their PJs. As Tatum says, God, I loved it. I'll send you a copy. Bam, bitch went down. I'll send you a copy. Bam, Sid, super bitch. Then the phone rings and Tatum's mom says that it's for Sid. She asks if it's her dad. Tatum's mom says, no, I don't think so. You, 
you just was told the story how yeah. someone because obviously she's probably told them by now that someone called me on the phone or has seen the news and it has threatened me on the phone about killing me. It's not my dad, and you're going to give me the yeah. phone anyway. Tame's mom's like, "Oh, are you the guy that's trying to kill her?" She's either totally oblivious, which is another trope of a movie. The parents are always oblivious, or just a fucking moron. How about you be ghost-faced? I'll be her. I'll be Tatum's mom. All right, and you just call it. I'm going to pick up. Hello, hello. I'm looking for Sydney. Um, who is this? Uh, it's a friend. Is this the guy that's trying to kill her? Of course not. That would. That's ridiculous. That's true. Good point. Hang on one second. Thank you. <laughs> you fucking retard. <laughs> you idiot. Oh shit. All right, so. If it, Sid goes anyway, but when she gets to the phone, it's Ghostface, and he says, Poor Billy Boyfriend. Looks like she figured the wrong one. She figured uh, right in his butt. She fingered the wrong one again. Right up in his bunghole. This is straight out of Scooby-Doo. Really? Yeah, th- that's what it feels like. It's a mystery... Walking around the house, All right. talking to your friends. And we have Shaggy in the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, wow, dude. Wow, dude. <laughs> Cut to the next morning. Dewey comes down for breakfast and tells Sid that Billy's cellular, cellular bill was clean. He didn't make those calls. Dewey says that they're cross-referencing any calls made to her and Casey Becker. It's going to take some time, but we'll, fall. we'll find them. Back outside the school, Sid pulls up and is ambushed by another reporter, Linda Blair. Fuck me. Fuck, Fuck me. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> yes. Your mother sucks cocks in hell, Tara, you faithless slime. <laughs> yeah, she's, do- she's yelling fuck me as she's masturbating she's with a crucifix. shoving the crucifix. Oh, my God. That movie was fucking bonanza. Bonkers. And they're putting on another one. I know. I'm... Well, I'm not torn because I bought my tickets. I'm going tomorrow to see the movie to see a movie by myself. I'm a fucking loser. Oh, There's nothing wrong with that. I used to do that back I in college. I just I love horror movies so much. Of course, I used to get trashed and then go to the movie theater. Well, I'm going at noon. Uh, yeah, you can't. Well, you can drink out in the car. That's what airplane bottles are for. I've brought beers into the uh, movies before. Yeah, normally what I do is they've got the they've got the mach- the Coke machines. And I'll put airline bottles in my pocket, and I'll get that nice thing, and I'll just start throwing airline bottles in there. I'll come home at 2 o'clock drunk <laughs> on a Saturday. That movie was fantastic. Should have got an extra popcorn. Did you ever see the, the Nun, the first one? Yeah, it was all right. The first time I saw it, I was like, it's okay. But then I recently rewatched it, and I liked it a lot. I watched it by myself in the dark, and it fucking spooked the shit out of me. It's very spooky. And I want to see what they do in this one. I'm really... Really want to see. All right, so yeah, Linda Blair. But Dewey interferes as Sid goes off to speak to Gail, who is also there. She walks up as Gail's trying to hide her shiner and tells Kenny to get the camera. Sid says that this is off the record. You owe me. I don't owe you shit, she says. Damn right. You owe my mother. This gives her pause. Gail obliges. Sid calls her out on her book. Gail says that somebody was going to write it. It says, so it had to be you with all your lies and bullshit. Gail's like, you got what you wanted? Cottonweary's in jail. They're going to gas him. A book's not going to change that. 
Did they have the death penalty in 1996 in California? Maybe. Yeah, because it wasn't too much longer after that they abolished it. That's why uh, Manson had got to live for so long because he was on death row. He died. Of, he died of natural causes, right? He had cancer. Yes, that's natural. But uh, he was supposed to get the gas. That always. Uh, that was always perplexing that he was in jail for life, even though he never killed anybody. He was the mastermind behind the whole thing. Yeah, but he physically didn't kill anybody. But that's how they get you. It's like the RICO Act. You know, they get you for doing fucking shit. RICO shit. It's like getting you for being the the ringleader. It's like on Sons of Anarchy when they brought that RICO shit in. Remember that? Was that? A good show. Fucking show ruled. It ended so good. Everything about that show was good. If you watch the first season and watch the last season, you'll be like, "Wow, wow, that's awesome." Just like Daddy. So good. Just like that. Sid asks Gail if she still thinks Cotton is innocent. Gail says that it doesn't matter what she thinks. Sid, Sid asks Gail if Cotton's story has changed. Gail says not one word. He admits to having sex with your slut mother. You fucking whore. Sid isn't buying it and says that her mother would have never touched him. Her blood was all over his coat. She says that Cotton left his coat at her house. After her mother seduced him. Sid says that she saw him leave wearing it. Gail corrects and says that you saw someone leave wearing it. That same someone who planted it in Cotton's car, framing him. Sid says sorry she mangled her face and leaves as Gail is excited that Sid may not believe this to be true anymore. An innocent man on death row. A killer still on the loose. If she's right about this, she could save a man's life. Do you have any idea what this could do for my book sales? Damn, she sucks. Damn, she's a bitch. She's all about money. Gotta sell that book. Back in school at the locker, Sid is there with Tatum and Stu as Sid asks Stu if Billy is pissed at her. Stu's like, what, since you branded him the Candyman? No, his heart's broken. Just then some ass comes running down the hall wearing a father death costume. What an asshole. Right? Sid's like, why are they doing this? Stu says, are you kidding me? Look at this place. It's like Christmas. Sid runs off and then jumps into, bumps into Billy. And she's taken back a little. Billy's like, come on. You still think it, it's me? I, I had something to do with this? I was in jail. See? He holds up his finger, printed hands. Back when they used ink. They don't do that anymore. No, no, they do not. Sid says, please understand. Understand what, says Billy, that I have a girlfriend that would rather accuse me of being a psychopathic killer than touch me? Well, I don't think that's your girlfriend anymore, man. Uh, At this moment in time, if you think that guy is fucking creepy... I mean, if I was Billy, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, seriously, fuck you. I came to help you, and you threw me to the police. Just because I had a cell phone. Yeah, you knew I had a cell phone. This isn't news. I could have been a drug dealer. I'm sorry. I have a cellular phone. I have the cellular phone. Yeah. Sid says that's not true, but Billy being a stupid dummy says that she hasn't been the same since since her mother died. Is your brain leaking? My mom was killed. Pause. I use that line all the time. What is your brain leaking? I love that line. It is a pretty good one. It's pretty fucking cool. My mom was killed. This isn't some mundane detail, Michael. She's dead. Billy says that it's been a year and to basically get the fuck over it. Your mom's gone. I get it. 
Yeah, seriously. What an insensitive asshole. What a piece of shit, dude. My mom ran away. But my, your, my mom was fucking killed, This, this is This is what asshole. he says. He says, I accepted it when my mom left my dad. Sid says, that his parents split up. It's not the same thing. What the fuck? Yeah, my mom moved out. Yours is yours moved to a cemetery. Yeah, after she was de- murdered and raped and shit. Your mom bought property at a cemetery. Has her own single... Single family home? <laughs> single family home. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, shit. My mom's in a casket, you asshole. Billy admits that that was a bad analogy. Yeah, you think? Sid leaves and says, I'm sorry if my traumatized life is an inconvenience for your perfect existence. God. These people are talking like high schoolers. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, bitch. She then goes into the ladies' room where the scumbaggery continues. But before that, we cut to Principal Himbry. Because I'm the Fonz, huh? Hey! Hey! I used to to have a washer. I used to hit it to get it to work. And I'd be like, I'm going to go be the Fonz (laughs) for a second. Hey! Bang! Hey! Where he just expelled the kids who were running through the halls in a ghost face costume. Or a father today. And threatening them. Yes. He takes the, the scissors and I don't know, cut you up and hang you from a fucking goalpost. Yeah, they did that nowadays. There'd be an investigation. It's funny. He says that you know he should hang them from a goalpost. More. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. He says that they should get them and hang them from a t-shirt. Yep. Back at the girls' restroom, as I said, the scumbaggery continues. I sit here some bitches chatting in the stalls that Sid made Everything up, and she has issues. Sid then ducks into a stall. Of as course she has issues. Her mother was murdered. Yeah. Yep. Holy shit. These are the worst human beings on the planet. Let's just get it from the bitch's mouth. Listen to this. She was never attacked. I think she made it all up. How did she lie about it? For attention, the girl has some serious issues. Nice flush. Sorry. <laughs> what if she did it? What if Sydney killed Casey and Steve? Why would she do that? Maybe she had the hots for Steve and killed them both in a jealous rage. What would Sydney want with Steve? She has her own bubble butt boyfriend, boyfriend, Billy. Maybe she's a slut, just just like like her mother. mother. You're evil. Please. It's a common fact. Her mother was a tramp. A whore. She watched her mom get butchered. And it fucked her up royally. Think about it. Her mother's death leaves her disturbed and hostile in a cruel and inhumane world. She's delusional, where's God, etc. Completely suicidal. One day she snaps. She wants to kill herself, but she realizes that teen suicide is out this year and homicide is a much healthier therapeutic expression. Where do you get this shit? You are pathetic. Man, I should have eaten all that White Castle. What What a capital K cunt. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Fucking die. And Ricky Lake, what a reference there. Right? Well, mid-90s, Ricky was, Lake's huge. She's big. And her show was popular. Then Sid hears her name coming from one of the stalls, and Dewey is stopped by Gail, and they have some adorable flirtation. Aw, little Dewey. Then Principal Hembry announces that the school is canceled and the town has a curfew starting at 9 o'clock. Hey. 
One more time. Because I'm the Fonz. Huh? Yeah. Hey. Sid and Tatum are walking home and Stu comes up to them and says, party at his house tonight. You guys bring food. Cut to Henry's office where he we see him trying on the ghost face mask and trying to be spooky in the mirror. You notice when he looks in the closet, we see a brown leather jacket. Mm-hmm. When he hears a noise, he goes to investigate and when the, he opens the door, he sees Fred, the janitor, wearing a red and green striped sweater mopping the halls. That's Wes Craven. Is that Wes Craven? Uh, dressed in the Freddy getup. Back in the principal's office. That sweater looks awfully itchy. Yes. <laughs> is that why? Uh, is that why he, Freddy was mad? He had to. <laughs> he had to die. He got burnt, and now he's got an itchy sweater with. Imagine burnt skin. like the sensitive burned skin with all those like the wool, like poking it. Oh, that's. Oh, that was enough to drive someone to murder. Send that to the torture camps. What's that called? What's that place? <laughs> torture camp. Yeah, for the terrorists. Oh, Gu- Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay. Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna. Do, we're gonna Make them all wear Freddy sweaters. We're not going to do what we did to Noriager where we freaking <laughs> blasted Metallica. We're going to make them wear so sweaters, itchy sweaters. They blasted Metallica, but, but it's nothing else matters. It's the most calm song. Uh, they also blast uh, Panama a bunch of times, yeah. which was a great, it was a great song. Uh, back in the principal's office, after several ding-dong ditches, Hembry goes to look in his closet and what we see there is the Fonz's jacket, like Bob said. Hey, because he's the Fonz. <laughs> Boom. But sadly, Ghostface was hiding behind the door and kills Fonzie as the camera zooms in on his eye as we see the face of Ghostface. That was a cool shot. That was a great effect there. That was very cool. So uh, let's go. <laughs> Now Tatum and Sid are at Stu's sitting on the front porch. They're having a heart-to-heart talk as Tatum tells Sid that maybe her mom and Cotton were having an affair. I mean, your dad is always out of town on business. I mean, maybe your mom just got, was just a very unhappy woman. It's possible. It's very possible. Traveling salesman, you know, he's always out. Tale as old as time. Sometimes you just need the pipe. You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Sometimes you just got to let it in. Right? So, yes, you may enter. I don't know what you're going with this. <laughs> Sid responds, if if they were having an affair, how come they couldn't prove it in court? Tatum says, you can't prove a rumor. That's why it's, it's a, a rumor. rumor. Sid says that Gail made this all up, but Tatum says that there's been talk of other men, too. Sid asks if Tatum believes... She believes it and says, well, you can only believe, you can only hear that Richard Gere gerbil story so many times before you have to start believing it. Sid says, that's gay. I think Richard Gere really shoved the gerbil up his ass. No. No. It was a, no. I'm trying to remember who started that rumor because they were mad at Richard Gere. Who would put a fucking gerbil up their butthole? Mr. Slave from South Park. Maybe, yeah, them. He shoved Lemmy Winks right up his ass. Yes. <laughs> Ring the bell. Oh, the other bell. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, retard alert. <laughs> Sid says that if she's wrong about Cotton, Tatum stops her and says, you're starting to sound like some Wes Carpenter flick or something. Damn. Cut to the video store where Randy works as he's 
right in the return cart and almost crashes into a customer. Uh, Stu comes up to him and asks if he's coming to his party tonight. Randy says, yeah, because he's getting off early due to the curfew. Then some rando comes up and asks Randy, what's the werewolf movie that with E.T.'s mom in it? He says, The Howling Horror. Did you ever see that? No, I haven't. That's a good movie. And it has um, E.T.'s mom, so she's hot. Nice. Yeah. Then Randy spots Billy standing in the horror section and has an issue with that. He says that if you were the only suspect in a senseless killing, would you be standing in the horror section? She was like, nah. That he was just, it was just a misunderstanding. Randy says that he has killer written all over his forehead. Stu says, well, why'd the cops let him go then? Randy says that the, the cops don't watch enough movies. This is standard horror movie stuff. Prom might revisit it, man. Stu asks, why would Billy want to kill his girlfriend? Randy said that there's always some bullshit reason to kill your girlfriend. Very true. Well, what's his reason? Maybe Sid wouldn't have sex with him. Ding, ding, ding. Right on point. Stu says that he thinks it's her pops, man. Why can't they find her pops? Randy says because he's probably dead in a ditch somewhere. Eyes gouged out. Fingers cut off. You see, the police are always off track with this shit. If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. He says the dad's a red herring. It's Billy. Then Billy grabs Randy by the shirt and says, How do we know you're not the killer? Randy agrees that he should be considered a suspect. Stu says, What would be your motive? It's the millennium. Motives are incidental. Now we see the town getting ready for curfew. Sid, Tatum, and Dewey pull up in front of the police station. Sid comments on how deserted the town looks. She says, it's the town that dreaded sundown. Dewey says, I saw that movie. It's about a killer in Texas. Did you ever see that movie? Which one? The town that dreaded sundown. Yeah, I never saw the movie, but I actually read about the real murders. They were fucked up. Yeah. They actually think he might have been connected to the one that was riding the rails. Really? Yeah, and they thought it was the railroad killer. Huh. Damn. Tatum asks Sid if they make a if they make a movie about her. Who's gonna play her? Dewey says, "I see you as a young Meg Ryan." Sid says, "Thanks, but with my luck, they'll probably cast Tori Spelling." Damn. And they do in the stab movies yes. in the sequels. What shade though? Shade. Yeah, hell yeah, it's shade. I mean, Tori Spelling. Oof. Even back in the day. Oof. Yeah, did it get much better? No. So the girls go off to buy food for the party as Dewey goes off to talk to the sheriff. But had to get some uh, some soft serve first. Strawberry, I think. So sheriff tells Dewey that the cellular records came in from Vital Comp and the calls came from Neil Prescott's phone. From Sid's Prime dad. Co. or whatever. <laughs> Prime Co. or <laughs> Cellar Tech or Bell, Atla- or Bell Atlantic South. I had an uncle who used to do a race boat, and his sponsor was Prime Co., which was a, was which was a cellular company. Nice. Now, in this scene, every time the sheriff takes a drag of his cigarette, Dewey takes a lick of the ice cream cone. Uh, the sheriff also says that tomorrow is the anniversary of his wife's death. He throws down the cigarette and puts it out. Well, not with, his wife's death. No, uh, Neil Prescott. 
Yes. Yeah. His wife. Uh, he throws down the cigarette and puts it out with what looks like the same boot we saw on Ghostface in the bathroom. I like how he was, uh, how Dewey's like, aren't you supposed to be quitting that? He's like, yeah, but I need to start smoking again. Yeah. Well, if you're under that much freaking stress, you need to do something to take it away. That's why uh, I prefer alcohol. Speaking of which. Drink it. I'm going to crack open another one of these. Okay, we are hell yeah. Oh, nice. I'm going to join you. Nice. Crack one open, buddy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you how great this soundtrack is? It's very good. Say a prayer for the youth of America. All right, so now we're finally at the party at Stu's. As Sid and Tatum go inside, we see Gail and Kenny pull up in their news van, set back a little. Then Dewey walks up to them and says that there isn't much of a story here, just a bunch of kids uh, cutting loose. Then why are you here, says Gail. Good point. Well, bitch, you're paying me. Dewey says that he's just here to keep an eye on things, and in fact, he's about to go check out the party now. Gail asks uh, if she can come. He says, yeah, of course. And she grabs a wireless camera, and they head off. Gail and Dewey go inside, and everyone is shocked that the chick from Top Story is here, Bob. Gail schmoozes at the party and hides the camera right on top of a VCR. Tatum's like, what the fuck is she doing here? She's with me, he says, Dewey. So Tatum goes off to the garage to get some beers. As the door closes behind her, she knocks, but no one answers. So she starts to open the garage door, and it gets about a third of the way up when it starts to go back down again. She turns around, and Ghostface is standing there. Tatum say, says, is that you, Randy? Ghostface shakes his head, no. Tatum's like, cute. What movie is this from? I spit on your garage? Referencing a spit on your grave. She tells him to lose the outfit. If Sid sees it, she'll flip. She then says, oh, what? Do you want to play Psycho Killer? Ghostface shakes his head, yeah, Tatum asks if she can be the helpless victim. Yeah, he nods. Oh, I like that. You, you can. You are. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel, says Tatum. Mm, if only. Ghostface then slices her forearm, and she stumbles back to the fridge. She hits him in the head by opening the freezer door as Ghostface falls down. She then lights Ghostface up with full beers. You're one of the nards, man. I mean, she gets him in the face, the balls, you name it. I'm, I'm telling you, if you get hit in the balls with a full beer bottle, bottle of beer, you're not getting up right away. No, you're fucking, you're down for the count. And then she's curb stomping your ass. Mm-hmm. She then makes him flip her, over her, and then she try, She does a judo move on him, and then she tries to leave through the tiny cat door. No, girl, that's not going to work. That is a small-ass cat door. And your tits are bigger than that door. Your nipples are bigger than that door. Seriously, you ain't squeezing them tatas through that door. So Ghostface raises the garage door, snapping her neck, killing her. Which never would have really worked, because it, she probably would have hit the top and it would have came right, right. back down. I mean, yeah. Yes. Maybe, gr- no. 
But mm. no. What if no. they just had bad garage standards in their town? Damn it. Someone tell that contractor he sucks. Yeah. Then the door magically opens and Ghostface leaves. It goes to Ice's balls, right? Yeah, because I got hit in the dick with a freaking full beer bottle. Then most everyone leaves and Billy shows up and he and Sid go upstairs to talk. Sexy time. Yeah, maybe we're gonna maybe. we're gonna talk because I know you just uh, ratted me out to the cops. You found it out that I was not guilty, you know. And then we argued at school, but it's okay. We just want to talk. She says to him, "She's like, wait, are, are you are you are you crying? Are you crying? <laughs> yeah. There's no crying when my mother was murdered. There's no crying in murder. <laughs> Your mom just left. <laughs> Sorry, bad analogy. I'll work on that." I'll work on myself. I'll be better. God. Idiot. <laughs> Randy walks up to Stu and says, what is Leatherface doing here? Hmm? Nice. They came to make up, says Stu. Damn it. There goes my chance with Sid. As if. That's all I'm saying. As if. Oh, really, Alicia? Oh, making a clueless joke here? Yes. I, I liked it. I was here for that. I've seen that movie. Good movie. She's so hot. Alicia Silverstone? Everybody. Yeah. And that movie is so hot. Back in the news, uh, Bob nodded, by the way. It's fucking audio. Very. Motherfucker. I, uh, I nodded, yes. <laughs> Back in the news van, Kenny <laughs> sees that there's a 30-second delay from the camera that Gail planted. Cut to Sid and Billy upstairs in Stu's parents' room. Ooh, I've done that. And Billy is apologizing for his behavior. Sid apologizes for, for her behavior. But he says, nah, man, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, I'm the one who dropped the cell phone and looked all creepy in your house. Yeah, he says, it's all one big movie. Only you can't pick your genre. And then they have sex. He's like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure it's okay? You sure? Because I'm going to do a lot more later on, allegedly. Allegedly. Anyway, back downstairs, the group that's left are watching Halloween. Stu says that he wants to see Jamie Lee's breasts. When do we see Jamie Lee's breasts? Randy says, not until Trading Places in 93. Jamie Lee was always a virgin in horror movies. She never showed her tits until she went legit. Whoa. He says that that's why she could always survive the killer. Don't you know the rules? What rules? Jesus Christ, you don't know the rules? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. What are the rules? What are the rules? For instance, oh, number one, you can never have rules? sex. Ever. Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. Oh. The sin factor. It's an extension of, of number one. Number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Then Stu gets up to leave and says... I'm getting another beer. Anybody want one? Randy says, yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Stu says, okay. You push the laws and you end up dead. I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife. Cut to Gail and Kenny watching what we just saw as Dewey comes a knocking and says that someone just reported a car in the bushes and he's going to check it out and asks if Gail wants to come, uh, come with him. She does and they go off. She's like, hell yeah, I'll come with you. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll come later. Mm-hmm. Cut back inside where Randy and the party crew are watching Halloween. 
when the phone rings. So Randy answers, even though it's not his house. Why did he answer the phone? Yeah, it's, it's just it's Stu's house. Yeah, you let it go to voicemail, sucker. And the person on the other end tells him that Principal Hembry was found dead, gutted, and hanging from a goalpost at the football field. Ooh, damn. Score. Everyone then leaves to go check it out before they cut him down. Nice. Yeah. Hey, hey, you want to go? You want to see a dead body? Because I'm the Fonz. It was a terrible stand by me. Bonk. Hey. You got a jukebox that's not working? Call 1 800 the Fonz and we'll come and get that fixed for you right away. Guaranteed results every time. That's 1 800 the Fonz. Hey. So most everyone leaves, and as they drive off, they almost run over Dewey and Gale. So they go tumbling down a small bank, and Gale falls on top of Dewey. Hang on a second here. Gale falls on top of Dewey. Gale sees a car in the woods and says, Is that what you've been looking for? Dewey says, My whole life. No. That as she shows him the car, it turns out to be Sydney's dad's car. Oh. Oh. Uh, what? And they head off. He's like, oh, shit. And they go. Cut back to Sid and Billy, who just finished doing the deed. Rock the Casbah. <laughs> <laughs> Broke the seal on that one? Yeah. Damn it, you're pregnant. <laughs> you get a baby. You get a baby? Nope, just you get a baby. They start dressing themselves. Sid asks who Billy called when he was in jail. Like, you get one phone call. Who'd you call? He says that he called his dad. He's like, uh, no, Sheriff Burke called your dad. I saw him do it. Billy says, yeah, but when I called, I didn't get an answer. Billy says, you don't think it's still still me, do you? Sid says that she just thinks that it would be pretty clever if it was, you know, just, you know, if you had your one phone call, if you tricked her, you know, and you'd, you called her as Ghostface. Yeah. Pretty, pretty clever. Yeah, but wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> You still kind of suspect this guy might have something to do with it, and you fucked him? Yeah. Yeah, so Billy's at the police station with the, the voice changer. Hello, Sidney! Which we don't know he has a voice changer yet, but at the same time, it'd be pretty clever if, uh, you know, if, if you use that phone call on me, and I just let you fuck me. Yeah. I am stupid. I mean, you're, uh, you want to insert a knife into me? And your dick? Eh? That's asking a lot. Come Look, on. you can only insert one thing in me, so you better make your choice well worth it. Dick or knife? It can't be both. Just then Billy says, what the fuck do I have to do to prove to you that I'm not a killer? Let me see your dick again. Just then, Ghostface comes in and Sid, at the last second, tells Billy, oh, by the way, he's behind you. She waits a long time. She's like, all reaction. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, he's behind him. Oh, oh, fuck, Billy, Billy's behind, Billy, 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 he's behind you. Makes me secretly believe that she wanted him dead. Maybe. Billy gets stabbed to death. He kills Billy. Ghostface does the Ghostface thing. Wipes the blade with his glove. So we love that. When you play the game Left for Dead and you're at Ghostface, when he stabs... Wait, Left for Dead is a game? Not Left for Dead, uh, Dead by Daylight. You get to... you. He's one of the add-on characters that you could buy. You're Ghostface. And after you stab the character, he does that. He wipes the knife off. What? 
Yeah. What's this game called? Amy? It's called Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight. Okay. It's a multiplayer game where either you're playing as a survivor or you play as a killer. And Ghostface's abilities, he can crouch and he can spy on you. Like in the movie, he's, he's watching I you. I just started drooling. And then what you do is you watch him long enough, you give him the status called Exposed, so as soon as you stab him, they immediately go down. The whole objective is to kill everyone by throwing them on meat hooks and sacrificing them, but you're Ghostface. You're running around killing people. It's great. Oh, man. Games have been out for a few years. Constantly gets updated. They just put the Xenomorph in it, too. What? Yeah, you get to be the alien. No way. Yeah. This game sounds amazing. The game is amazing. I haven't played it in a while because I used to play it with friends that aren't around anymore. But, like, the yeah. game's fun. Uh, Ghostface goes after Sid. She knocks him down with a door and then blocks another door with a surfboard. Because California, <clears throat> dude. Right, bro? Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Wild Stallion. We are wild, stabby people. <laughs> She then tries to climb out the window, but Ghostface grabs her but loses his grip as Sid falls onto the family boat outside. Uh, she gets up and she then sees that her best friend is dead, wedged between the top of the garage door. Gross. Back inside, Randy's having, I'm sorry, Randy's laying on the couch watching Halloween as he's talking to the TV to tell Jamie to watch out for Michael Myers. He's telling Jamie. To turn around. Here you go. Oh, uh, watch out. Watch out, Jamie. You know he's around. You, you know. Oh, ghost face is behind oh, there him. There he is. I told you. I told you he's right around the corner. Soundtrack Jamie. always gets me for this movie. Jamie. For Halloween. Ghostface Jamie. raises Look his behind. knife to kill Look Jamie Kennedy. Turn around. Yes. Behind you. I'll turn around. Behind you. Behind you. That was fucking genius. Sid screams saved Randy as Ghostface was just about to kill him. Outside, Sid makes it over to the news van as Kenny is snoozing and holding a bag of Tostitos. She bangs on the door as he opens it and lets her in. She says that the killer's in the house as they watch the, the monitor of Ghostface behind Randy and of Ghostface leaving when he hears Sid. Kenny jumps up out of the van to go help Randy but quickly realizes that he just fucked up. Yeah, there's a delay. A 30 second delay. He turns around and Ghostface slits Kenny's throat. Turns to Sid and says, he points to the back of the van. He's like, you can get out that way. As Bye. he's dying. I'm, I'm gonna die. So she gets free as Dewey and Gail make it back to the house. Dewey tells Gail to go to the news van and to call the sheriff for backup as he goes into the house. Dewey hears the movie on the TV and calls out for Neil. It's just Jamie Lee crying on, in Halloween. Gail heads off to the news van and yells to Kenny that she needs the cellular. Kenny is nowhere to be seen as Gail closes the door and starts to call 911. But she gets interrupted by Randy who is lo looking for help but gets a cellular shot to the face for his trouble. She's like, ah, fuck you, bah, 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 bah. Get out of here. I'm gonna hit you with this giant phone. Whap. Whap? Whap. Wet ass phone? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with this wet ass phone. <laughs> Gilvin drives off as Kenny falls from the roof onto her windshield, 
and then Sid comes wandering out into the road looking for help. Gail sees her at the last minute and swerves off the road into a tree. I love how she's driving. She's like, come on, Kenny, get out of my way. Get the fuck off my windshield, Kenny. So, break, bitch. Yeah, seriously. It, it, when she was going down the hill before she hit the tree, it looked like she accelerated. Oh, she most definitely did. Hit the brake. Or she did what most women do. They panic. Hit the gas. I turn out. Good luck, everybody else. Yes, yes. How many blinker for six <laughs> lane change? No blinker? Good luck, everybody else. <laughs> yes, exactly. Giggity, giggity, giggity. I love in the, the scene before when she's outside the van and then she's stepping in liquid. And then you look down, it's just... She's standing in a puddle of blood. Pools of blood. Yeah. I mean, you slit a throat. You're spilling some blood. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's coming out. Cut back to Sid as she's running and calling for Dewey. Dewey comes out of the house with a knife in his back as he falls down on the porch. Ghostface then takes said knife and does the Ghostface wipe and heads towards Sid, who locks herself in Dewey's car. Only problem is Ghostface has the keys. Yeah, he ain't going. She ain't going nowhere. He's like, and then jingles the keys. Dangles the keys. So good. So Ghostface keeps unlocking the doors, but Sid keeps locking them. This is also telling at the time because there's no like, you hit one lock and they all lock. You have to lock every one by hand. They probably also had a key just to lock the car. Yes. Because back in the day, we all had two keys. Two keys. One for the ignition. One for the doors. One for the doors. Yeah. She contacts the dispatcher and tells them the address, so help might be on the way. I think she, they did get it. They're hoping. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ghostface gets into the vehicle and attacks Sid. Sid gets away and heads into the house as she takes Dewey's gun. Randy shows up pleading for help, as does Stu. It's him, man. He's the killer, man. Yeah, they're both accusing each other of being the killer, and Sid's like, mm, fuck you both. Yeah, I don't like either of you. At that point, I would have shot them both. I just I would have done what she did. Just lock the door. You guys fucking kill each other. Yeah, you you two figure this one out outside. Yeah. Just then, Billy comes stumbling down the stairs, all bloodied up, and tells her to hand him the gun as he lets in Randy. Randy's freaking out and says that Stu's gone mad. Billy's doing his best. Norman Bates says we all go a little mad sometimes, and shoots Randy, and then says Anthony Perkins, psycho. Yeah, did you get that reference, guys? I like movies. I like scary movies. Is Psycho scary? It's a psychological thriller with horror, <clears throat> horror elements. I mean, the bitch, she did steal. Oh, right? she had a cover. She had a cover. Billy then licks his fingers and says, hmm, corn syrup, the same stuff they use for pig's blood and carry. Yeah. Sid tries to run, but only to bump into Stu, who has the voice changer, who says, surprise, Sid. Sid tries to escape, but Stu's there and says that, we ask you a question, and if you get it wrong, Booka! You die. If you get it right, you die. Sid calls him crazy and says that they'll never get away with this. They say, oh no, tell that to Cotton Weary. You wouldn't believe how easy it was to set him up. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. It was fun. Sid then asks why they killed her mother. Billy's like, you hear that, Stu? I think she wants a motive. Billy says uh, he doesn't really believe in motives. Did Norman Bates have a motive? No. Did they ever really decide why Hannibal Lecter wanted to eat people? Don't think so. Yeah, because it was delicious. He likes people. That's a reason. That's my kind of people. Mm-hmm. People, the other, other white meat. He likes Soylent Green. 
people. It's what's for dinner. Want my baby back, baby back, baby, baby back, baby, baby, baby back, ribs. ribs. Chili. Baby, baby back, back ribs. ribs. Billy says that they did her mama a favor. That woman was a slut bag whore who flashed her shit all over town like she was Sharon Stone. You whore. You fucking whore. Yeah, we put her out, out of her misery. Because let's face it, your mother was no Sharon Stone. Hmm? Yeah, she was a whore. Billy asks Sid if that's motive enough for her. As he puts the knife up to his mouth and says, Well, how about this? Your slut mother was fucking my father. And she's the reason my mom moved out and abandoned me. Sid's face goes from, like, upset to, like, completely fucking shocked. As does Stu. The camera pans over to Stu, and he's, like, all straight-faced. Like, what the fuck did he just say? Are you kidding me? Like, he had no idea of Yeah, that. he was just along for the ride. That's something Billy kept close to his chest, right? Billy points out that her abandonment issues made her have sex with a psychopath. Side note, can a psychopath self-diagnose, Bob? If you're a psychopath, can you recognize that you are, in fact, a psychopath? I don't think you can that's what I thought. I don't think you can because that's normal behavior for you. Right. So if it's normal behavior, how can you know it's abnormal behavior? Very good. Thank you, Dr. Robert Kelly. Dr. Robert Kelly. Stu says, that's right. You're no longer a virgin. Now you got to die. Those are the rules. Stu then brings in Sid's dad bound in duct tape. They put the voice changer in his, in his coat pocket along with his phone. They tell her dad that... that her dad's the chief suspect. We cloned his phone. Sorry, his cellular. The evidence is all there, baby. Billy goes on and says that your mother's anniversary set him off, and he went on a murder spree, killing everyone, except for Billy and Stu. They were left for dead. Then he kills you and shoots himself in the head. Perfect ending. Billy then stabs Stu as part of the plan. Billy hands Stu the knife and says, remember, steer to the left. Don't worry. I'll remember. Stu then stabs Billy as he freaks out and says for Stu to give him the knife back. Stu's oh, like, he stabbed him good, too. Yeah. <laughs> One time. Billy gets stabbed once. And now Billy wants the knife back, and Stu's like, uh, no. But he does. And he says that everybody dies but us. We get to carry on and plan the sequel. Because let's face it, in these days, you gotta have a sequel. Billy then grabs the... Sh Stabs the shit out of Stu And Sid says that You sick fucks have seen too many movies Billy says Don't you go blaming the movies Movies don't make psychos Movies make psychos more creative As he slashes Stu One more time Stu tells Billy to I'm sorry Multiple more times Oh yeah he Tries to fuck him up Stu tells Billy to stop You can't take it anymore here I'm, uh, I'm feeling woozy here. I think I'm dying, man. <laughs> dying, man. You cut me too deep. Billy tells Stu to get the gun, and he'll untie Pops. Except when Stu goes to get the gun, it's gone. Where is it? Right here, asshole, as Gail cocks the gun and then points it at them. Billy says, I thought you said she was dead. She looked dead. Still does. But there is one thing that Billy knows that Gail doesn't, and that is this pesky little thing called a safety as he kicks her in the chest and onto the porch knocking her out as she lands on Deputy Riley now this scene took multiple takes because every time she landed on, on Dewey 
they started laughing. I can imagine that. Yeah. This is also where they just started their romance together with each other. And they were married for a while. Yeah, and it started here at this movie. So there you go. Billy cracks his neck Ooh. and yeah, and says, this is Gail Weathers signing off. As Stu notices that Sid is not in the kitchen anymore. By the way, Stu has lost a lot of blood and is pretty, pretty fucked up right now. I think I'm dying here. Fuck it up, man. Yeah. Then the phone rings and Stu asks if he should let the machine get it. That was funny. Uh, they answer it and Sid says that they're going to play a game. It's called, guess who just called the police on you and reported your sorry motherfucking ass. It's a little long-winded, but we'll go with it. Billy tells Stu to find who is now slumped over at the desk and says that Billy cut him too deep. Too deep. I think I'm dying here, man. <sighs> Billy hands Stu the phone and tells him to talk to her. Stu's like, hello? And Sid asks what his motive was. He says, peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. Billy grabs the phone and yells that he's going to rip her up just like her fucking mother. He then throws the phone at Stu as it hits him in the back of the head. Fucking hit me with the phone, dick! <laughs> Stu takes the phone and asks Sid if she really called the cops on them. She says, you bet your sorry ass she did. Stu says, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. Billy starts cutting open cushions and going nuts. He gets to the hallway, and on the TV, Halloween is still playing. And it's the scene where Lori is in the closet and Michael's trying to get her. Billy smiles and stops at the closet and points the gun at it as Sid comes rushing out dressed as Ghostface and stabs Billy in the chest with an umbrella. Ouch. Twice. Umbrella, Ella, Ella. She takes off the Ghostface outfit and kicks the gun to the side as Billy is out. Then Stu runs in and Sid flips him over and knees him in the nuts, but Stu punches her in the face as they go flipping over the couch. Stu gets on top of Sid and starts choking her. He says that, I always had a thing for you, Sid. But Sid hits him in the head with the vase and then drops the TV on his head, killing Ooh. him. It's one way to get in the, in the television. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Sid then kneels and holds the, the ghost face mask as Randy pops up. As Sid says that she thought he was dead. Randy says, I probably should have. He should be. I've never been more happy to be a virgin. <laughs> then Billy punches Randy in the face and starts choking Sid and says, say hello to your mother. Sid shoves her finger into one of the umbrella holes. Ooh. As he screams in pain. Finger fucked him. Yeah. But still raises the knife to stab Sid. But then Gail comes in and shoots Billy with the gun. It's just been revoked. Yeah. <laughs> As he, uh, she falls back, he falls back and dies. Sid helps Randy up and takes the gun from Gail. As Gail says, I guess I remember the safety that time, you bastard. They walk up to Billy's body as Randy tells him to be careful. This is the moment when the supposed dead killer comes back to life. Just in time for one last scare. And yeah, he does. But then uh, Sid takes the gun, shoots Billy in the head. Not in my movie. He did. Then her dad crashes through the door as they help untie him. Cut to the daylight as the medics wheel Dewey to an ambulance who's still alive. He raises a thumbs up as he gets in. Gail gets in front of a camera and starts reporting her own story as the credits roll. Walking past a police barricade. Yeah. Yeah, their police are there. They should be stopping her. She's like, nope, nope. I was just involved. I'm getting involved in this. I work here. 
And she just replaced that cameraman real quick. Yeah. Kenny. R.I.P. What after she called the cops, or has someone called the cops? Did she call? I need another cameraman down here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess they sent a uh, a crew. Uh, I don't know. That's the movie. That's the fucking movie. I like it a lot. So it's review time. So Rotten Tomatoes uh, has a critic score of 80% and an audience score of 81%. Seems kind of low for me. I thought I saw 80. I thought I saw 85. And IMDb gives this a 7.4 out of 10. I grabbed this today of so I can get the, the most up-to-date score. Gotcha. Positive reviews. Gary Thompson of the Philadelphia Daily. The movie contains the usual stock horror characters, but they are supplied with dialogue often surprisingly smart and funny that serves as a running, biting commentary on slasher movies. Yeah. A classic. With Scream, Wes Craven reinvented and revitalized the slasher genre with this modern horror classic. Scream is funny, clever, and scary. As a fright-masked knife maniac stalks high school students, a beautiful love letter to horror movies that came before it. A truly classic horror film. What a genius Wes Craven was. Brilliant filmmaking. Defines 90s horror. James Kendrick of the Q Network Film Desk. A 90s style teenage slasher movie with just enough tongue-in-cheek understanding of its own silliness to make it gruesomely fun without being insulting. Scream does not seem like the kind of dot dot dot. Scream does not seem like the kind of movie that could make you appreciate American cinema. If you haven't seen it, then you're probably viewing it as just another silly slasher flick that creates more laughs than scares. On the contrary, this movie is filled with plenty of scares and satirizes the horror genre in a way that literally has turned this film into a masterpiece. I guarantee you that while you may not love it, Nearly, it nearly was rated NC-17 for its intense violence. You will highly be amused by this one. A- minus is the rating this person gave it. Not bad. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. I liked it. I liked the in-jokes and the self-aware characters. At the same time, I was aware of the incredible level of gore in this film. Was there a lot of gore? No, I wouldn't a lot. say a lot compared to like Friday the Thirteenth type movies. Nah, not a lot. But there was blood. There was we saw guts. We saw gu- uh, Stevens. Guts. Stevens uh, insides on the outside. Uh, title: Favorite movie. This movie has completely changed my view on horror films. Before seeing Scream, I would never watch anything that might make me scared because I hated horror movies. When I saw Scream, it completely changed. It also introduced me to Matthew Lillard, who I had never heard of before. Yeah, this movie did kind of put him out there. Now he is my favorite actor. All right, that's good. This movie had gave so many young actors and actresses a chance to make it big. Courtney Cox was great in this movie as well. As the sequels, and after seeing this movie, I became a Friends fanatic. <clears throat> right. 
This movie also completely changed the horror genre and every scary movie that's come out since takes a little something from Scream. I will always remember the first time I saw Scream. It really captivates its audiences. It's a Scream, baby! Is that it for positive for you? Uh, yeah. Negative reviews. Desmond Ryan of the Philadelphia Inquirer. By the time Scream arrives at his final twist, Craven has done too much contortions of his own to give the final much shock value. I have a new soundbite. You got it? Ready? Yeah, we're here. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. All right. Excuse me? I can't believe some of the people that said this movie was good. So weird. And so many people gave it a 10. This movie's awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was me doing uh, John Travolta. (laughs) How did it do? God. It's uh, it pretty good. It's so weird. Wow. Like, Welcome Back Cotter era, Travolta. God. That was it? Yeah, that's a short one. This Jeff, movie was awful. Jeff, weird. Jeff Strickler of the of Minneapolis Star Tribune. If the people who made Scream were as half as clever as they seemed to think they are, this would have been a much smarter movie. <laughs> it's, it's a horror movie. It doesn't have to be that smart, bro. No. This movie is very smart, you dumbass. Uh, this movie sucks. Good. Wow, right to the point. Good God. Was that supposed to be scary or something? This is the perfect movie for your 14-year-old, acne-infested, can't-get-laid, MTV-watching-loser-of-a-child. <laughs> Did they just describe themselves? I'm sure they will like it. Maybe they can watch it after Dawson's or the new 7th Heaven. Err, Saved by the Bell? What a waste of videotape. One out of ten. Unfortunately, Zero's not on the list. So it, they went from Dawson <laughs> to Seventh Heaven all, he the named, way to the, all the way to the late 80s, early 90s to Saved by the Bell? He named, like, great television. I don't want to name for night to be over. It's the typical slash movie. A guy calls a girl and asks her what's her favorite scary movie. I'm sorry. Name the movie that that's happened in. Come on, come on, come on, come on, you can't do it. She hangs up on him, and then her parents find her dead. Hung up in a tree, cover it blood. Oogie dookie. Oogie dookie. Oogie boogie. He's not done. This movie is terrible. If you don't like it, you'll certainly be laughing most of the way through. I asked every friend I hang out with regularly, about ten people. Humbleberg. They all agree that this was the single lamest movie they had ever seen. You and your friends, buddy? Go fuck yourself. Oh, God. Omar Halfordson of the BBC.com. It appears to be clever, dangerous, witty, and fresh, but it sadly became a victim to the movies it mocked even before it ended. Oh, okay. My last one, I think. Yeah, this is my last one. This movie is done by a once was a good director, Wes Craven. Oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right. These are fighting words. This film is what I classify as a jack-in-the-box film. Those movies are not good. Jack-in-the-box, by the way. Example given. It's some a terrible restaurant. Yes. Some jumps from behind a couch and everyone in the cinema jumps. You people call this horror. Have you gone mad? This film is thriller with a overdose of the teeny bopper essence. Teeny bopper where? 
You know what I'm talking about? Who's going out with who? He dumped her rubbish. This type of film and others like it. I-K-W-Y-D-L-S. I don't give a for fuck's sake. I know why you don't like shit. I know what you did last summer. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I hope somebody somewhere understands. I don't. I don't because you sound like a moron. Go fuck yourself. This is for you. Everybody with the negative reviews. Go fuck yourself. Sniff right into the mic, buddy. Okay. Right into the mic. I want to smell it. Smell the mic. You son of a bitch. So it's trivia time. Matthew Lillard was cast as Stu by chance after accompanying his then-girlfriend to an unrelated audition taking place somewhere else in the same building. The casting director saw Lillard in the hallway and asked him to audition for the part. He got the role with an incredi- with incredible ferocity. Nice. At around one hour and 40 minutes, when Sydney comes out of the closet and stabs Billy with an umbrella, the stuntman was supposed to hit it hit a pad on Skeet Ulrich's chest. The first hit got the pad, but the second one slipped and hit him in the chest. Ulrich's chest has metal wiring beneath the skin from open heart surgery he had as a child, which causes him intense pain should it be struck or have pressure applied to it. Thus, when the umbrella accidentally stuck him in the chest, his shocked expression and scream of pain were genuine. Ooh. Director Wes Craven kept it in because of its authenticity. Ooh. I think I'm bleeding inside my chest. boy, Wes. The, uh, according to this trivia, the use of caller ID increased more than threefold nice. after, the rest of this, after the release of this movie. Here comes the money. At around one hour and 22 minutes, the scene where the killer is sneaking up behind Randy... Randy. Jamie Kennedy is the only one where the person in the costume is actually one of the actors rather than the stuntman. That's cool. Skeet Ulrich specifically asked if he could wear the costume for one scene. Nice. Jamie Kennedy was chosen for the role of Randy because he would often improvise humor into his lines, which made Wes Craven laugh. Because Jamie Kennedy's fucking hilarious. He's weird as fuck, but he is a funny dude. At around one hour and 40 minutes, Stu's line, I always had a thing for you, Sid, and Sidney's response, in your dreams, were ad-libbed by Matthew Willard and Nev Campbell. During production, Ghostface's signature black robe was going to be white to make him appear more like a ghost. This was changed into fear of people who compare the costume with those of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Was he going to have a funny hood? I mean, he's got a mask on, but yeah, that has a hood on it. It has a hood on it, but it's sure not pointy. <laughs> it could be. You get enough blood on there, and it makes it stiff. God. After the bathroom attack, there was a scene in the script where Sydney bursts into Principal's office and reports the incident, crying for help. Although the scene was not included in the final cut, it explains why Hembry ultimately decided to, to suspend the lessons and dismiss, dismiss the students. Special effects artist used about 50 gallons of fake blood for this movie. Nice. Uh, the idea of the pet door in the garage came from Kevin Williamson's assistant. Originally, Tatum's death scene was to be a fist fight with the killer and having the door come down on her neck. Hmm. 
Wes Craven initially removed the bit where Casey says the first Nightmare on Elm Street film is great, but the rest sucked. Because I thought that it would make me look like an egomaniac. Kevin Williamson convinced him to keep it in, pointing out it was something a real-life fan would say about his movies. Yes. Uh, I got a couple more. Are you done? I'm done. Dewey says the reason the police weren't able to track down uh, track down who brought the Coastface costume is because it was sold at every five and dime in the state. Today, as of 2023, Ghostface has become the best-selling Halloween costume of all time. Henley Winkler asked to go uncredited because the producers... Asked to go on credit because the producers did not want to attract the uh, the attention from the younger, lesser known actors, even though he only appeared in three scenes, with only appeared just at his office. Uncredited, not on this show. Because I'm the Fonz, huh? And like we mentioned earlier, at the beginning of the film, Billy climbs through Sydney's bedroom window, startling her. Just like Glenn, Johnny Depp did to Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. And also like Joey does in Dawson's Creek. Kevin Williamson. It's a fucking messed up television show. Dawson's Creek? Yeah. You didn't like it? I love that show. No, it was a good it was a good show, but it, it was fucked up at times. Yeah. Alright. James Vanderbeek Vanderbeek and his gigantic noggin. His head is huge. It's huge. It's like an orange at a toothpeck. Who's got a bigger head? Him or Peyton Manning? It's got its own weather system. Jesus Christ. He's going to cry himself to sleep tonight on his huge pillow. It's like Sputnik. The revolution is televised. I don't know where you're going with this shit, man. So I married an axe murderer. Oh, God. It's been a while since I've seen that. I'll go first. Go for it. All right. <clears throat> Obviously, you, you can tell by the way I cover this this movie. I like it. I saw it when it came out multiple times by myself. I immediately fell in love with this movie. That was very clever at the time. I I didn't had no clue who the killers were. Yeah, rewatching it now, I'm like, yeah, I should have picked up on a couple things. Yeah, that was clearly. A clue right there that I should have picked up on the killers earlier. But back in 1996, I did not. But that's not a, a you know, a, a tag on the movie. It's, this movie's great. It's a fucking 10. It's perfect. Damn. This movie's fucking perfect. That's a high score for this movie. I watch this all the time, and every time I enjoy it. My daughters enjoy it. I watch it with them. I love this movie. The sequels are not that great. I mean, they're good. But this one, this one, fucking rules. That's my score. All right, so my turn. It's a really good movie. It's a genre-defying movie. It saved the genre. It it works on a lot of levels. There's a couple moments for me where it feels like it got a big slogged. But for the most part, it was pretty. It was pretty quality. Didn't like the rough cut with uh, Hedley Winkler all of a sudden canceling classes because of that scene that they cut out. That's fair. They should have left that in. Yeah. Because it had a nice bridge that was cut out of it. But you can still get the uh, his feeling from 
the assholes running down the hallways with the costume on. Nice cameos yeah. from Craven. You know, it's 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 a good movie. This movie's a nine for me. All right. I accept that, Bob. <laughs> I hope so, because it's not changing. I know. Revolution is televised. Very good. Here's our scores. Nine and ten. Do it again. <laughs> Nice. My favorite movie of all time. Nice. This is number one. Halloween's number two. My Cousin Vinny's number three. It's been a while since I've seen My Cousin Vinny. Mostly we should do that coming out of this uh, spooky season. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what, what's coming up. But the next movie we're doing is brand new. It, brand just, it new. just came out this week. What? Yeah. We're doing a new one. We don't usually do that. And if you got Amazon, you can get this movie for free. That's right. Bob, what's our socials? We can be found at many different places. Facebook at Flick Magnet. For how long, though? We keep getting bringing copyright strikes. Or are they real copyright strikes? No, I took care of it. We're good. I think they're fake. <clears throat> Instagram, Flick Magnet, and you can email us our likes, suggestions, what you thought of this movie at flickmagnetpod at yahoo.com. I have an ant on this on the board here. Ooh, kill it. I have ants out here. Why are ants out here? What is this, a board for ants? It must be at least three times this size. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. I hope this next movie is going to be good. It looks like it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be good. I'm going to enjoy it. So. We'll see, you know? Yeah. I might do a, a bonus episode this this month. Bonus? No. That was yesterday. Yeah. I get him once in a while. Um, there's this movie that my wife and my daughter like. It's fucking. It's forty minutes long. It's a short. Would you be willing to come here to cover a forty-minute movie? Uh, yeah, there's a good possibility we could do that. It's called Grandma's Ghost. Why is that name familiar? Look it up. Watch it. It's forty minutes. My wife and Hannah really want me to want me to do this movie. They're even gonna listen. Oh Lord. Yeah. Grandma Ghost. Grandma. Hey, Bob's looking it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this recording so you guys can hear this in real time. Grandma Ghost. You guys look up Grandma Ghost too. It's shot with a cell phone. Is what it looks like. Well, the first thing that comes up is an is an episode of SpongeBob. <laughs> it's on IMDb. Oh, there it is. Got it. I see it. Quick little bonus episode. Be like half hour long. Is it supposed to be scary? It's hilarious. Hilariously bad. It's so bad. But we could have fun with it. Yeah, it gets a 3.8 out of exactly. 10 on IMDb. Exactly. 
All right, I'll do it. Thaddeus. Oh, my God. Nice. It's nice. not rated on freaking <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. It's not. It's it's terrible, dude. I'm telling you. It's so bad. It's just going to be us cracking jokes the whole time. Oh, man. We're going to need more booze than we normally oh, get. Oh, yeah. We'll get, we'll get some. I'll get more drunk than I am right now, for sure. All Ooh, right. See ya. Look forward to that. Grandma Ghost, baby. I'd like to report a crime that hasn't happened yet. Have you seen the movie Back to the Future? Basically, I'm living that movie right now, which is how I know there's going to be a murder tonight. <laughs> Hate time travel movies. They never make any sense. Happy Halloween. How about we all stay in and hand out Halloween candy? No, Mom. You know how hard this time of year is for us. Your friends were murdered 35 years ago. It's not 1987 anymore. Stay safe, honey. I love you. <laughs> what the fuck? Excuse me. What year is it? 1987? Oh my god. I know. The 80s are almost over and I haven't even tried coke yet. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god. Mom. Fuck off and die. Jesus, mom. Masita. Ay. Ay, ay, ay. Mamacita. Time for my birthday, bitch. <laughs> this is a creepy ass cabin in the middle of fucking nowhere. What's the big deal? There is a murderer on the loose and you drove us into the woods. <gasps> oh my God. What? I forgot to bring vodka. You have seven and a half hours until you're stuck here forever. <laughs> I need to stop all this horror before it happens. The machines kill us all? No. They more just rip apart the fabric of our society via dance videos on TikTok. They used dance against us? Come on out. Water's warm. Just so you know, I don't do blowjobs. You pee out of that thing. Just think, maybe if she did do blowjobs, she'd still be alive. Yeah, let's not make that the lesson. 80s weed sucks. This is just dirt. Look at all these twigs. Yeah, I could give you a gummy this big that has 100 times more weed than this. Hey!